0: In this first message in this series, we understand that God is very interested in our lives, very interested in the steps we take, the path we choose, and the decisions we make. We learn that we can know God's will accurately. We discover how God guides us through his written word. All right, why don't we rise up to our feet, please? Let's make our declaration. And then we're gonna spend some time in God's words. So if you brought your Bible or high up in the air, let's say this out loud, bold and strong this is God's Word this is God speaking to me I am who God says I am I can do what God says I can do I will become everything God has promised I'm saved healed delivered redeemed I am blessed victorious prosperous triumphant I'm a minister of God a servant of Christ and a child of his blessing to many people. I receive his word, I believe his word, and I live by his word. Christ is my master, and to him I am in absolute surrender. I advance boldly to take new ground to extend God's kingdom. I have kingdom power. And authority vested in me. The powers of darkness cannot hold me back or pin me down. The forces of the enemy cannot restrain me or contain me. The greater one is in me. God's power through me is more than what the devil can handle. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Why don't you turn around to people next to you? Say hello, shake hands, give them a good smile, and you may be seated. Starting today, over the next uh, six to eight weeks, we're going to be talking about receiving God's guidance. How does God guide us? How does God lead us. And all of us have decisions to make in life. Some decisions may be really small. Should we eat chapati or dosa? That's okay. Just close your eyes and do what you want. Uh, but then there are some decisions that are really big, some really major decisions in life. And as students, you may decide, you know, uh, what should I study further? You know, uh, the, the, you know in the good old days we had only three options you know? <laughs> but today you probably have 30 options or more <laughs> and it's like you know it, the more options the more difficult the decision becomes what do i choose in life you know or, or once you finish studying where, what profession do you what career path do you take uh, you know there's so many options again and you can mix and match so many things these days you've got the uh, opportunity but also it becomes a challenge in, in making that decision it becomes all the more difficult uh, to make a decision uh, and then there are other decisions like you know uh, your life part person you're going to marry uh, you, uh, spend that spend your life with uh, where you're going to live which part of the world do you want to live uh, the church you go to and so so on and so forth the uh, significant decisions, major decisions uh, we all have to make as we journey through life. And so uh, it's important for us to, you know, and I'm sure all of us want to uh, receive guidance from God. We desire that, God, I want to do your will. I want to do what's right. What, what, are you, what are you telling me to do? So we all desire that. And so we are trying to address that and say, look, these are the different ways in which God speaks to us. So there is no formula Now, we're not going to, there is no formula that the Bible offers us saying, here, this is your answer. But rather, we're going to look at, uh, I think, about 11 different ways that we see in the Bible. uh, That God speaks, God releases His guidance into our lives. Uh, We will talk about these over the several weeks ahead. The Word, the Indwelling Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit, dreams and visions. Prophecies, angels, godly counsel, the renewed mind, times and seasons, circumstances and divine orchestrations. All of these are ways through which God brings His guidance into our lives. Now, some of you may be familiar with these already. I mean, if you've been part of APC, uh, we've touched on some of these things uh, in times past. And you may be familiar. But I want to encourage you, please listen as though you've never heard this before. Or at least pretend that. (laughs) please listen as though this is our first time you are listening to something on this right otherwise you tend to tune off doze off and then you wake up at the end and say what did he say like and you might miss something important so please pay attention even if you know if you are familiar uh, with some of these things I want to show you that uh, we will be going into greater depth uh, and breadth than we've ever done before uh, as we talk about some of these things. Uh, an, an important truth we want to emphasize as we go to this uh, uh, is that uh, both in the Old and the New Testament, uh, the, the Bible teaches us, Second like Corinthians 13:1, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. That means don't just take one of these areas, oh, I had a dream and then run away with it. Uh, let there be at least two or three witnesses let God speak to you in a multiplicity of any of these 11 ways any combination but let God speak to you uh, in the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established so that's a word of caution otherwise sometimes people say you know I had a dream and so I'm going off to do this well it's good you had a dream but that's one witness you need two or three more you know wait for God Uh, be clear especially when it comes to uh, major decisions uh, that uh, that you and I uh, have to make in life now it is true that uh, all of us will make mistakes uh, in life's journey there there is no one who is perfect we will stumble we'll make mistakes but I just want to assure us that our God is greater than our mistakes amen This is not an encouragement to go make mistakes. (laughs) But this is only an encouragement if you make mistakes, right? That don't think it's the end of the world. God is able to fix uh, our own, uh, our mistakes. We just go back to him and say, God, I'm sorry, I missed it. Uh, Please get me back on track. He'll put us back on track. He'll restore uh, what we've uh, lost and He will help us on in our journey. Another thing I want to mention also is uh, that through the course of this series, Uh, different ones of us will be talking. Uh, We will share some of our personal experiences. Now uh, personal experiences are good. Uh, We can learn from them. We can be encouraged. But I want to please, I want to bring all of our attention to this important thing. Do not build your life on somebody else's experience. As a believer, you have to build your life on the word of God and the work of his spirit in your life. So don't run off saying, oh, I heard pastor say this. So I'm also going to do the same thing. Some things are very risky. right? So don't build your life on my experience or the experience of others who will be speaking to us. Uh, please uh, learn from those experiences, but go back and build your life on the word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. So... The wonderful thing is that uh, in as much as we desire to receive God's guidance for our lives and, and, and understand His will, the beautiful thing is that God has promised to lead and guide us. So I want to begin with that. To give us the assurance that God has promised to lead and to guide us. If me look at a few scriptures on that. Uh, in Psalm 37 verses 23 and 24, uh, the Bible says, let's read it together please. The steps... Of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way though he fall he will not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand now don't think the Bible is prejudiced when it says good man it also includes women right so the steps of a good person good person are ordered Very interesting word, it means that God sets in place, he erects, he establishes, he makes firm. The steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. So let's say this, God delights in my way. You know, some of us think, man, God is so big, he's got such a big universe, why would he even be worried about me? Um, why bother about little old me i'm so insignificant but i want to show you the bible says and as the amplified bible renders that section of that verse it says he busies himself with your every step he busies him he's he's very interested in every step of your life of my life so god delights he's busy It really engaged in in our decisions in the things that involve our life and the next verse 24 gives us that assurance that even if we stumble and fall it's not the end of the world it's it's not the end of everything because even if we stumble God upholds us he grasps us and he holds us up uh, with his own strong powerful right hand so God is able to keep us uh, back on bring us back on track and keep us going Psalm 32 Verses 8 and 9. Verse 8 says, let's read together, please. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Look at verse 8 beautiful God says I will instruct you I will teach you I will guide you so let's say this together God has promised to instruct me to teach me to guide me no he said I'll do it with my eye meaning my watchful eye is on you got my eye on you I God doesn't slumber nor sleep it's like his, his eye is on you and he says I will instruct you I will teach you I will guide you It's interesting look at those verses in 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 the, in the hebrew and just because he just brings out much more meaning the word instruct means to make you circumspect intelligent prudent and wise and give you the skill so that you can have good success so when God says, I will instruct you, that's what he's meaning. He's saying, I will make you circumspect. I will make you prudent. I will give you the skill so that you can be successful. I will instruct you. The word teach, again, is very interesting in the Hebrew. It means to point a finger to. So when he says, I will teach you, he says, I will point the finger to you, for you. And it's, it has a picture in it, of a man shooting an arrow the bow and arrow man shooting it meaning with that tar- with a target in mind I will point my finger to you for you I will teach you I will instruct you I will teach you and I will guide you to the guide there of course means to advise and counsel so God's promised to do that for us but on the other hand he's asking us for a response at verse 9 He says, but don't be like the horse or like the mule that run ahead or they are so stubborn they don't want to move. Don't take either of these postures. God says, instead, I want you to work with me as I promise to instruct you, teach you, guide you. Let's do this together. Are you with me? So God has promised that. For us, And one more verse here on this, Psalm 25, verse 12. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Let's read it together, please. Start again. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. I want to highlight that word fear, reverence. I like how the Good News Bible renders this words. It says, those who have reverence for the Lord will learn from him the path they should follow. Reverence for the Lord is important because God knows that when He speaks to us, we will obey. And we will take His instructions seriously. That our heart is in the right place. We really want to do what God wants for our lives. And so God is saying, for those of you who reverence me, I will teach you the way you should go. The way you should choose. Now, as we begin, and this is still the introduction, as we begin... I want to cover some basics as far as understanding the will of God is concerned. We need to get some of these basics in place. The number one, and there are five of these. Number one, God's will is always consistent with his nature. Now, I've mentioned these before. I'm repeating it again. God's will is always consistent with his nature. That means God is not going to lead you, direct you, and direct me to do something that contradicts his own nature. For example, we know God is a holy God. So God cannot direct you or guide you or guide me to do something that's unholy. Because it contradicts His nature. So God will not, so God's will is always consistent with His nature. The second basic we should have in place is that God's will is always consistent with His words. God will not guide you or direct you and me in a way that contradicts his word. The Holy Spirit who inspired the word will always guide us in line with the word he inspires. We understand that? So he will never contradict his word. God's will is always consistent with his word. That's important. If somebody comes and says, you know, God told me to do this and that and uh, and then you say, well, hey, that just contradicts, contradicts what's already in the Bible. Then whatever, you, that, whatever this and that you got, you don't know where you got it from. But it cannot be from the God who wrote the Bible. Now, God may contradict our understanding of the Bible if our understanding of the Bible is wrong. That's a different matter but he will never contradict his words and we see examples in the Bible and Scripture too when people's understanding of the Bible was not really up to the mark and God had to adjust their understanding of the Scriptures I'll take for example keeping of the Sabbath you know the Old Testament they kept the Sabbath so rigidly you cannot do anything on Sabbath and here comes Jesus on the Sabbath these healing people his disciples are you know are picking grain and they're offended so how come you're doing that he says well Sabbath was given for man, not man for the, I need to adjust your understanding. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus had to do that. Or think about the early church. He said, go to the whole world, preach the gospel to every creature. But they were only staying in Jerusalem. So he gives Peter this vision. And he says, Peter, arise and eat. And he says all kinds of creeping things, all kinds of animals. And Peter says, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. But God's telling him to eat the unclean. But through that, he's saying, please go take the gospel to the Gentiles. So he's he's adjusting his understanding of, of God and of his word. So God may adjust and understand the word, but he will never contradict his word. Number three, God's promises are a revelation of God's will. So the promise of God is also an expression. Of the will of God. God would not have promised it to us if he never willed for us to have it. So keep that in mind. If there's a promise of God, it means that God's will uh, is there for you concerning that. Number four, God desires for us to know his will. And I want to spend a little bit of time on this. That God is more than ready to reveal his will to us. You know, some of us are like this. You meet them and say, what are you doing? I am seeking God's will. That's good. 25 years later, <laughs> what are you doing? I am seeking God's will. Now, that's a little problem. That God's will is not so difficult to find. It's been lost somewhere in this vast expanse of this universe. No. No. I want us to understand God desires for us to know His will. And in fact, He He has made it easy for us to know His will. And we should understand that. We should be confident of that. I will look at two scripture passages. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. And then from Ephesians 5. Colossians 1, 9 and 10. Paul is praying for the believers at Colossae. He says, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to ask that, let's read the rest of the verse together, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Let's read verse 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So what is Paul praying for the believers? He's saying, I'm praying this for you that you will be filled filled means to be full up nothing lacking like see as a believer you do not have to lack you don't have to fall short of knowing the will of god you can pray that you be filled with the knowledge of his will the other thing i want to highlight is the word knowledge in in greek epignosis which means to be ha- to have a full and complete, deep and clear knowledge of his will. So he's saying, "I'm praying that you will be filled with a full, complete, deep, clear, accurate, precise knowledge of his will. It's a good prayer to pray for somebody else, and it's a good prayer to pray for you. So put your hand on your chest. let's pray it for ourselves. I pray that I be filled with the full, complete, precise, accurate, clear knowledge of His will in Jesus' name. Amen. Pray that for yourself. We all need to do that because we all have decisions to make from time to time. We need God to reveal that to us. So, uh, be assured that you can be filled with the knowledge, with a clear, precise, deep, accurate knowledge of God's will for your life. And here's the and the ne- next thing is this: it says, "In all wisdom and spiritual understanding." So it takes wisdom and spiritual understanding to know His will. Wisdom and understanding given to us by the Holy Spirit. We'll talk more about this next Sunday, but. That helps us know His will. The wisdom and understanding comes coming from the Holy Spirit. And what will be the outcome? When you and I know His will, there are four results. Verse ten: We will walk worthy of the Lord. That means we will walk in a way that honors God. Second, we will be fully pleasing to Him. Yeah. Third, we will be fruitful in every good work. And fourth. We will increase in the knowledge of God. See, when you know his will, you can walk in a way that honors him. You can be pleasing to him. Be fruitful and keep growing. But the converse is also true. When you and I don't know his will, it is very likely we may do things that dishonor him. We may do things that don't please him. And we may not bear fruit. You're doing stuff, doing stuff, but no fruit. Nothing's happening. And we become stagnant in our knowledge of the Lord. I understand. So it's very important to know the will of God, and we can. Let's go to Ephesians five. The other, the other passage we want to look at under point number four, which is Ephesians five verses eight through ten and verse seventeen. Let's read that together, please. Verse eight: For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk. As children of light for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness righteousness and truth finding out what is acceptable to the Lord therefore do not be unwise but understand what the will of the Lord is so he says you are children of light you walk bearing fruits of the spirit all goodness righteousness and all of that but then as children of light his you, one thing you've got to pursue. Verse 10. Finding out what is acceptable to the... So walk as a children of light. This is our responsibility. Find out what is acceptable to the Lord. That word finding out is very interesting. It means to test, examine, prove, discern, figure out. Test, examine check it out prove figure out so he says that's your responsibility finding out what is acceptable to the Lord now I want to just spend a little time on that word acceptable in English in our language the word acceptable means average okay it's not the same as perfect acceptable right it's okay But that's not what it means in the Greek. In the Greek, it means fully agreeable, well pleasing. I mean, there's no shortcoming. It's not like God says it's okay. I don't like it, but it's okay. It's not like that. God is saying I'm excited about it. I'm 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 fully agreeable to this. It's well pleasing. Are you understanding? So He's saying in verse ten finding out what is fully agreeable well pleasing to God that's what we want meaning hit the bullseye are you getting it acceptable means what is well pleasing fully agreeable to God find out I look at verse 17 it says do not be Unwise. Unwise. Again, it's a very interesting word. It means don't be without reason. I'm giving you the expanded meaning of that Greek word there. Without reason. Don't be senseless, foolish, stupid, without reflection or intelligence, acting rashly. Don't be unwise. But understand. Again, that word understand is very interesting. When you look look it up in the Greek, it means to put together, to comprehend, to set or join together in the mind, to bring together in a hostile sense, bringing two combatants together. That means there could be ideas and things that are contrary, opposing each other, but you're putting it together in your mind, to bring together, comprehending, processing it in your mind. So don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, why am I ex- emphasizing this verse? Because many times when, when, when believers you know, want to seek the will of God, we tend to throw our brains out. So don't. You need your brains. Because he said... Don't be unwise. But understand, which means you've got to put together in your mind. You've got to put together, even if they're contradicting opposing views, you bring them together, set them together, understand what the will of the Lord is. So many times we'll come for counsel or advice, and sometimes you just, give, look, they say, you know, they're, they're expecting some dream or angel. Look, we don't have angels in our pockets that they can give you. Can't do that. Now, God may speak through a prophetic word and all that. There's a place for it. But sometimes we just have to give somebody some simple, common sense, good, practical counsel. And they don't want it. It's not spiritual. Hey, don't be unwise. But understand. Use your brains. Understand what the will of the lord we'll talk more about that when we come to that section when we talk about the renewed mind how what role the mind plays i'm not saying we should depend on the mind but the mind has a place so don't throw it out amen (laughs) point five in all of this there will be things that remain unknown Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29 The Bible says the secret things belong to God, but those things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So there will be, there's this realm of secrecy with God. There's a realm that God says, look, I'm keeping this to myself. And so there will be in life's journey, the unknown, the unexplained. The unanswered and as believers we can still be at peace with the unknown with the unanswered with the unexplainable because we have the peace that is beyond understanding so even if you don't have an answer it's okay I'm still at peace because I know the secret things belong to God my responsibility is to know his will for my life in this matter keep proceeding I don't get hung up on what, I, what is unanswered, unexplained, or unknown. That belongs to God. Leave it there. There will always be this realm of the unknown. Now, we are still in the introduction. Another part, important thing I want to address in the introduction is, are there different categories of God's will? Now, I came from a denominational church, and so one of these first things I heard was this, that there are three, kind, three categories of God's will. There is what is the good, there is the perfect, and there is the permissive, acceptable will of God. The first time I heard it, I said, there's something wrong with that. I was still a teenage boy. I had not finished my English language in school. Neither had I studied theology. But just reading that verse and hearing somebody preach that message from that verse, I said something wrong. Can't be right. basic English. And so... I want to explain, I want us to look at Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, because people use that to tell us that there are three categories, classifications to the will of God, which I want to clearly state it's not. There is only one, and it is the will of God. If it's not the will of God, then it is not the will of God. Let me try it again. <laughs> if it is not the will of God, it means it is not the will of God. God is light. In him there is no darkness. It also means there is no gray area. He is light. So there is no gray area of permissive will of God. Now let me explain that. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy. What's the next word? I want to ask you a question. When he says your body should be holy, acceptable, does acceptable means chalega, or does it mean equal to holy? Let's try it again. <laughs> does that word acceptable mean something less than holy, or does it mean the same as holy? Same as holy. Right? Present your body holy. Acceptable means acceptable is the same standard as holy. And it is the same word that we saw back in Ephesians 5 verse 17 where it says acceptable means in the Greek Well-pleasing and fully agreeable not partly agreeable fully agreeable present your body Holy well-pleasing fully acceptable to the Lord let nothing in your body be fall short of holiness God my little toe will sin please excuse that no. Your whole body should be holy. Why am I emphasizing that? Because that's the same word that's used in the next verse. Romans 12 verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove. That is you understand. You examine. You test. You analyze. You discern. And you arrive at a conclusion. That you may prove. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? So what they used to teach us was, there are three classifications of the will of God. One is good, one is acceptable, which is permissive, and one is perfect. Now if I took an apple, put it in front of you, and I said the apple is red, tastes sweet, smells good, are there three apples or one apple? Let's try it again. If I put an apple in front of you and I said the apple is red, it tastes sweet, smells good. Are there three apples or one apple? That's what he's saying about the will of God. The will of God is good, acceptable, and it's not saying that there are three categories to the will of God. He's saying God's will is like this. It's good for you. It is well-pleasing. It's, it's fully agreeable to him. And it is perfect. It is mature. It's complete. It's a full age. It's, it's what mature people will do. That is the will of God. So, just by looking at the usage of the word acceptable in the two verses, if we must be consistent uh, uh, in our explanation of the word acceptable, acceptable is not indicating to us that there is a permissive will of God or a permittable will of God. That is not what it is saying. The word acceptable means well pleasing, fully agreeable. So, first, It is simply three descriptors used to use the same thing. Secondly, the word acceptable is what it means in in, in verse 1, as well as what it meant in Ephesians 5, 17. It is well-pleasing and and, and fully acceptable, fully agreeable. The third reason why we want to say that there is no uh, such thing as permissive will of God is because you don't find it anywhere else in Paul's writings. You don't find it anywhere else. You don't find it in Ephesians. You don't find it in Colossians. In fact, the passages we read, tell us very clearly there is the will of God periods fourthly why we say there is no such thing as a permissive will of God is because you don't find it in the life ministry and teaching of Jesus for instance when the sick came to him he didn't say well maybe it's a permissive will of God for you to remain sick so next you don't find Jesus doing that every person who came to him in faith he heals I understand So there is no such thing as a permissive will of God for you to remain sick. You don't find it in the life teaching and ministry of Jesus. Now somebody may ask, what about other issues like the fall of man? And a lot of things in the Bible that you see, for instance, the Jews, the Israelites, they wanted a king. Or when they were going to the wilderness, they wanted, you know, a meat to eat in the wilderness. Uh, Was it the perfect will of God? No. But did God permit it? Yes. Does it mean that was a permissible of God no it meant that was not the will of God but why did he allow it because they chose it God has given each one of us a free will so you choose take for instance what happens in our city our city has a law against murder murder is not allowed is that right it's against the law but do murders happen in the city be living in the same city <laughs> do murders happen in the city so therefore do you conclude that the government has a permissive law that allows murders no the law still says murder not allowed do murders happen yes does that mean there's a permissive law that murders are allowed no murders are against the law So what does the government do? The government makes every effort to fix things, to make sure, to enforce the law, to make sure that the law is followed. And those who violate the law, they put them to task. So the same way in the realm of God, there is the perfect will of God. There is the will of God. It is good, acceptable, and perfect. If you're not in the will of God, you're out of the will of God, God works to bring us back into His will. But don't call that permissive. Just say, I'm out of the will of god the reason we think permissible is so dangerous is because many christians think it's okay to be in the permissible of god and i want to state it very loud and clear here that what some call as a permissible of god is really out of the will of god so might as well call it that and get back into the will of god enough on that so as we Talk about uh, seeking God. Our responsibility, uh, uh, we have a responsibility. We must seek, we must listen, and we must obey. So let's say this. Seek, listen, obey. Now, I, I don't have time to expand on this. We have it in the sermon notes available. But I'll just quickly try to summarize when you're seeking God, there are times, you know, you're seeking God just in your everyday life. You're just praying simple prayers as you go along. We and I making many decisions that you say, God, please help me. And then you make a decision. But seeking God can also mean that you set aside special time of seeking. Maybe you're making major decision. So you may go over a, a few days or a few weeks seeking God for a certain decision. And That's a special time of seeking God for that decision. And then, then, of course, God will speak to us in unexpected God moments. He will surprise us. Maybe you will get a dream. Maybe a prophetic word will come. God will speak to you that way. Listening, we must listen attentively to the Lord. It's our responsibility to listen. And that's what we'll be talking about as we go along. And we must obey. I want to spend the rest of our time before we close in the first part of this message, which is the word of God. So let's skip a few slides and go to the word of God. So the first way that we want to talk about is God leading us through His words. Two primary ways, the Word and the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit, how God guides us. We'll read some scriptures and then I will explain how God's guidance comes to us through His Word. Psalm 119, 105. Let's read it together, please. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 130 of Psalm 119, let's read it. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Psalm 37 verse 31. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. So all of these scriptures are telling us the importance of the word of. So how does God guide us through his word? His word is a lamp. That means it gives light to our path. He guides us through his word. How does he do it? Four ways. Number one. Is through the instructions in his words. The instructions in his word. That means God has already given us guidance about matters in life. As a husband, he told, told us, husbands is how you should be as a husband. As a wife, this is how you should be. Parents, this is how you should be. Children, you should be. You don't need an angel to come and tell you anything. How to be a husband. Read the instructions in his Bible. So I'm seeking God. Should I love my wife or not? Excuse me. Go read the Bible. <laughs> He's already told you. He's already given you guidance. Husbands, love your. So there's no need to pray about that. There's no need to seek for that. You just read the Bible. The instructions are there. Follow the instructions. So every time you and I align our lives to the instruction in His Word, we are following God's guidance, and He will back you up a hundred percent. If you do something just because it's in the Word, He will back you up. You're following His guidance. The second way that God speaks to us through His Word is what I would refer to as the quickened Word. It means now that as you and I are seeking God for something. That is not already explicitly stated in the words and saying god please speak to me he will quicken a verse; he'll make a verse come alive to you addressing that matter that you're praying about so it can happen through your bible reading time in the morning or whenever you're reading the bible let's say you're praying about a decision you need to make and it's a very important decision so you're saying god i really Have to get this right. God, please speak to me. And you're reading the Bible and you're doing your regular Bible reading, but in your passage that you're reading that day, there's a verse that speaks to you. It's like jumps out on you. Or your eyes are open to see something you've never seen in that passage. You may have read that passage many times over, but now your eyes are open. Oh, I didn't see that. And that is speaking directly to your. Decision that you need to make—that is God quickening His word to you. Okay, how many of you have ever experienced that in your life? I'm sure many of us. Yeah, that's a good number. God has spoken to us already through His word in that manner, by quickening that word. Or sometimes uh, you may not necessarily be reading your Bible; you may just be going around your day, doing your day-to-day things. And suddenly, a word comes to you. Jesus said. The Holy Spirit, when He comes, He will bring to your remembrance whatever I have spoken to you. The Holy Spirit brings it to your remembrance. The worst comes. Oh. Now, that's the answer to my decision that I need to make. So it comes. So God quickens that word. He's bringing alive something in the word that is addressing your need so that's why when you're praying about decisions it's so important to be reading the word of god because you're giving god one of the many ways he can speak to you and that's a primary way that he will speak to you the words remember we need two or three witnesses and the word is a reliable witness word very important the third is through the word being preached so you are maybe in a service uh, or a meeting and somebody is preaching the word of god and you've been praying saying god please speak to me about my situation and so on the preacher is preaching He's, you know he may be preaching a message god's put in his heart but through that message something hits you god is speaking to you and the beautiful thing is the preacher is preaching the message there are many people in the audience who have different questions and god is answering all their questions through that one message preacher has no idea only god can do something like that amen because their questions are all very different but through one message god is answering the questions of different people with different names so through the word that is being preached god can speak his word to you and give you an answer the last one i want to just explain elaborate a little bit because it may not be that familiar to us, which is the inner voice, the voice of our own conscience. Next time we'll talk about how the Holy Spirit speaks to us on the inside, and then there's the audible voice of the Spirit that we'll cover that later. But this inner voice is the voice of our own conscience. See, we are tripart being spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit man parallels our natural man, physical man. Our physical man has faculties we can see, hear, feel, touch, and speak, and so on. We have all those so also your spirit man has its faculties your spirit man can also speak the voice of your spirit is called the conscience i understand now god uses that to guide you the voice of your spirit i'll give you give us some scriptures and then we'll explain further job 32 verse 8 there is a spirit in man and the breath of the almighty gives him Understand. There's a spirit in you, and God breathes, and you get understanding. Okay, God, I got it. The breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. I'll look at Psalm fifty-one, verse six. Behold, you desire truth in the inward part, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. wisdom. In the hidden part, in your spirit, God will cause you to understand. No wisdom. I'll look at Proverbs twenty, verse twenty-seven. The spirit of a man is the candle of, is a lamp of the Lord. What is a lamp used for? It's to light our path, it's to search for things. So, verse 27 says, The spirit of man is a lamp of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the person. So, God uses the human spirit to search us and also to guide us. So, your own spirit speaks. That's your conscience. Now, here's a beautiful thing our conscience will always bear witness or speak aligned to the word it has been fed are you understanding that your conscience will always speak aligned to the word it has been that's why you feed the word of god into your spirit and if you are doing that and walking in the spirit then your conscience becomes a reliable guide because the voice of your own spirit will always be in line with the word of I understand that's why the apostle paul himself said he said i live with all good conscience before god and man i have determined or i have sought have endeavored to keep a clear conscience it's important that you don't violate your own conscience because when you're feeding your conscience with your spirit with the word and you're praying in the spirit keeping your spirit in a submission to the holy spirit then the voice of your own spirit It will be aligned to the word of God and to the Holy Spirit. So don't violate your own conscience. Are you with me so far? How the four ways God speaks to us through his word. We're getting ready to close. Number one, through the instructions of his word. Number two, the quickened word. Number three, the preached word. Number four, the? Now let me share some practical examples here. Life experiences here. Uh, 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 Just two weeks back, I had to make a decision, an important decision. So I, uh, I just went into my room. I locked my room. I started praying in tongues. It's like I, and God knew. I said, God, I'm here specifically. I need to know what to do about this situation. Do I or do I not? I will praying in tongues. 20 minutes of praying in tongues. A verse of scripture just came up in my spirit. That was enough for me. I got my answer. So I knew God had given me the answer. I know what to do with that situation. The So I just continued praying. I said, God, thank you. I've got it. So this is what I'm going to do. Based on the word. It's a quickened word. So I know what this is going to make. I continued praying in tongues. Be- not, you know, I just wanted to spend that hour in prayer. I praying. Then I left. But I got my answer. How? Because God quickened a word of scripture. Connected to that matter. And I got my answer. I remember going back in time, and I'll just pick, you know, uh, some examples, we, there can be so many, but this was back in Manipal when I was in college. Uh, this was 1990, and I'll share this example purposely because, uh, uh, let me explain that later. Uh, this was, I think, the month of March of 1990. I was in my final year, this was my final semester in college, and I was leading the student group in Manipal, and uh, this was coming towards the end of the semester. Now, one of our, one of our uh, students... Uh, he had gone to Velo I uh, had attended a conference there the conference was being run by two doctors doctors Mark and Betsy they had come from the US they're doing this conference uh, it was a very good conference so Davis called me he said you know Ashish uh, it was a really good conference uh, shall we invite them to Manipal uh, for them to do the same conference in Manipal so it's two full days plus a Sunday uh, Now this was getting close to the university exams and the, I, I'm responsible for these for the group of students that I'm leading and I said, "Davis, I'll get back to you. Uh, just let me know. I'll, uh, I'll get back to you. Just give me some time." So in my mind, I was processing. First, close to university exams. If they fail, they'll blame me. <laughs> we have to be studying. It takes three days. You know, plus it costs money. You know, we had a student group to rent the hotel seminar uh, hall where we were meeting. Cost means additional two days we have to pay. We're a student group. The admins will raise up that money to pay for that. That was the second thing on my mind. Third thing is, uh, you know, all the arrangements that need to be done. It's not just a matter of having two days. Before that, you have to inform people, you have to do all the preparations, plan everything out. Uh, all my time will go and we are supposed to be studying for exams. So I was, all this was going in my mind. And at the end of that day, I decided I'm going to call Davis tomorrow morning and tell him, no, he will not do it. That was my process it. the next morning just as i just as i'm waking up that moment proverbs 3 5 and 6 flashes through my mind very strong way trust in the lord with all your heart do not lean on your own understand in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. i said god okay <laughs> i said davis tell them to come So I'm sharing this example because I did my processing. I did my mental thinking through, but God overrode it with a quickened word. Are you understand? He quickened. So I'm following the words. God said. Now, I know that this is what's right, because when they came, they blessed us so much. But after I left, they went back to Manipal, I think at least two other times. And God birthed a mighty move through that team that came uh on, on the subsequent visits so it was a very powerful blessing to the uh, student fellowship there see so god quickens that word and he says this is what i want you to but you got to be praying got to be asking god what you do many other decisions you know in, in 2013 we came to a point where i uh, i felt god we should shut down apc Mangalo. uh the people who were leading it were leaving uh, uh, and the numbers had come down to just about five or six people on a weekend and so i was like god should be shut down or not and i was praying and then god spoke to me clearly through the word no this must continue so we continued apc mangler and today there are more than like i don't know 60 65 people gathering every sunday so god spoke to me through the word and like this many many times when the word of god is is used for god to give his guidance he speaks to you through that word but you got to be listening got to be open to it right in closing I want to give us a warning. Don't misuse the Bible. Don't misuse the Bible. So, what do you mean, misuse? It means like, oh God, speak to me. <laughs> Let's go and kill him, okay? <laughs> oh, okay. Don't. Treat the Bible like that, please. So, God, I heard in church, Pastor said, God speaks to me through the Word. So, God, what should I do? Please don't do that. Read the Word of God as you would normally read and let God speak to you. The other thing is this that, you know, we can actually use the Word of God to say whatever we want it to say. We can make the Bible say whatever we wanted to say. And that's a very dangerous place. I remember back in college, uh, this was 1989, uh, my third year moving into fourth year. Uh, while I was running the student fellowship, there was this girl, and it was not Amy, <laughs> who decided that I am supposed to marry her. I don't know where she got this. But for her, every page in the Bible was telling her that I was supposed to marry her. So after those fellowship, I used to be scared because she would be waiting at the exit to give me the five verses she got that week from the Bible as to why I am supposed to marry her. And I told the beginning, it's hey, God hasn't spoken to me nothing. I, I still haven't finished my studies. <laughs> I've got a long way to go. I'm sorry, no, no, no. But for her, it was crazy. So what was she doing? She was using the Bible to say what she wanted it to say. But here's the point. You and I can take the Bible and make it say whatever we wanted to say. Nobody's going to stop you. You want to be crazy? You can be crazy. But don't do that, please. Don't do that. Okay. Stay within the Word. Stay in the correct understanding. That's why you got to rightly divide the Word. But the thing is, this—you can get yourself in a huge mess by just making the Scriptures say what you want it to say. Don't do. So there is a place where God will speak to us through His Word, but rightly divide the Word. Don't take some verse here, some verse there, and make it to mean something God never intended it to mean. Right? God will speak to us through His Word, but walk, in, walk carefully uh, in how you do. So we're going to continue this next Sunday as we talk about the Holy Spirit. And remember, in the mouth of two or three witnesses. So if God has spoken to you through his written word, wonderful, you say, my God, I also need some other confirmation. because the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word must be established. So we will talk about the other ways God speaks to us and God guides us. Uh, Thank you. Let's rise to our feet, please. We're going to pray and close. Father, I just thank you. Thank you, Father, for this time in your word. And God, we just pray for each one here that as we journey through life, God, we will learn as your sheep to hear your voice, to know the voice of our shepherd, and to avoid the voice of a stranger. So that we can follow a shepherd correctly I pray for each of us give us ears that can hear God give us wisdom and understanding that comes from the Holy Spirit so that we could be filled with the knowledge of your will that we could walk worthy of you Fully pleasing to you. Being fruitful in our lives. In every good work. And continuously. Continuously increasing. The knowledge of our God. Work in each of us powerfully father I pray. Even those of us who are making decisions. Please. Guide us. Speak to us. By your word. By your spirit. And through the other ways. That which you speak. Guide us Lord. Thank you Father. Thank you. Before we close. If there's anyone here. You've never given your heart. To Jesus Christ. I want to just lead you. In a simple prayer. This morning. If you feel inside you. I need Jesus. I need him to forgive my sins. I need him in my life. I want him in my life. But if you've never prayed and asked him to come in to your life and asked him to take charge of your life, you've never done that. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Would you please pray this prayer with me? If you feel inside you, you need to do this. And you've never done it before. You just say this with me Lord Jesus. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Make me a child of God. Help me to follow you. The rest of my life. Lead me into your purposes for me i pray this in jesus name amen anyone here you pray this prayer with me for the very first time i quickly want to see your hands you pray this with me for the very first time this morning anybody here please raise your hands so we can celebrate with you and we also want to give you a welcome a new believers bag anybody i can't see up in the balcony i can't see anybody up there okay I don't see any hands. But if you pray that prayer with us this morning, for the first time, on all our exits will be people who have a green bag or a red bag. I just tell them, I prayed this prayer they are with a green bag. I, I prayed this prayer. I would like to have this bag. They will give it to you. They also take your name and number and it will help us be in touch with you. Uh, let's close. We'll dismiss right after. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday afternoon. Uh, this entire sermon notes is on our website, so you can download it, read it again, review it, and uh, study it in your life groups. God bless you. Have a good Sunday. Our Holy Spirit baptism, will be meeting right up here, so please come and be seated here. Uh, I'll take some time with you this afternoon. God bless. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.